Welcome to Miami Valley Church. We are a community of people who want to get the good news of Jesus Christ out to the valley and all over the world. But instead of doing it our way, we're asking God, how would you have us love and share Jesus? Right where you have placed us. The first step in doing this is by trusting the Lord and doing good. As this valley and this world are desperate for hope, we want to point them toward Jesus. Not to make ourselves or even our church name famous, but to make Jesus known. To accomplish this vision and to fulfill the mission God has given Miami Valley Church, we are seeing that it doesn't require a typical church building, but it does require us to make Jesus known right here in our heart, which goes into our home, overflows into our neighborhoods, into our communities, and all over this valley, all throughout the ends of the earth. We want to be a church not known for its building, but a church who is building a community of people who trust the Lord and do good. Wherever God would have us. We want to be a church not known for the number of followers we have on social media by making our own names famous, but by making Jesus known with every resource that he gives us. So that's who we are. That's what we're about. And we're so glad that you are here to join us. Hey, good morning and welcome to Miami Valley Church. My name is Pastor Jed and thank you for inviting us into the church that's meeting in your home on this special Mother's Day. Listen to the word of God. Proverbs 31, 28 says, her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty will not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all that she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. And so maybe you are blessed to be with your mom this morning as we engage in God's word together. Would you let her know how much you are thankful for her? Maybe you're gonna to get to see her this afternoon or later today. Would you let her know how much you appreciate her? We are so thankful for all the moms. We wanna say thank you for making Jesus known by the way that you are living it out each and every day by trusting the Lord and doing good. Happy Mother's Day.
Hey, go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning. Genesis chapters 27 and 28. We're going to be digging into God's Word. And so as we get ready to do that, I just want you to know that today's teaching is going to be filled with more questions than answers. Questions that I want you to ask yourself. Questions that I want you to wrestle with. It's my hope and my prayer that maybe you'll go back and listen to this teaching more than once and that you'll really dig in and, and answer the questions that are proposed to you today because I think they're foundational to the, to the journey that you're on in your spiritual life. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, you're going to wrestle with these questions uh, most of your life. And so to get started, just let me ask you these. Uh, what's your current desire for God? Secondly, what's God's desire for you? And then third, what are the hindrances? As we dig into this story, we see those questions in play. A current desire for God, God's desire for his people, and the hindrances that stand in the way of letting those things come to reality. So in Genesis chapter 27, uh, as I read the word of God, I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 27, verse 41, and read all the way through the end of chapter 28. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about uh, you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft, be bereft of both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite woman. If Jacob marries one of those Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may, make, that you may take possession of the land and of the sojournings of God, of the God of Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Armenian, and the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, beside the wives he had, Mathala, daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like that of the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you 
and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured it on poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house and all of, the, and all of, and all of that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So as we dig into this passage, there are really four questions, four questions that we need to ask as we think about our desire for God and his desire for us and the, and the obstacles and the hindrances that stand in the way. But before we get into that, I think we find the first question, not in chapter 27 or 28, we find the, the first question in the introduction to this whole story in Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25, we're given an introduction to the boys and to the story and what's going to happen. And in verse 27 of chapter 25, God's word says this, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. And so this verse is intriguing for a bunch of different reasons, mainly because our English translations uh, don't get it quite right. One of the things I want you to see in this is the first question of the day. And the question is this, who am I? Who am I? What is my identity? How do I see myself? Do I see myself the way God sees me? Do I see myself the way others see me? Who am I and what is my identity? And I find that here because, first of all, a couple of things we, we see here. Uh, just the what's in the verse and what's really not in the verse. First, I want you to notice this. It says, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. Uh, Esau was not a hunter by birth. He was not a hunter uh, by his very nature. He became a hunter. Let, let me put it this way. His identity is gradually assumed over the course of some time based on what he did. And so many of us find our identity based on what we do, based on what we have, based on the education or the amount of money or our occupation. In fact, when somebody wants to know something about somebody else, that's the first question they ask, what do you do? And so many of us form our identity and it's, it's gained gradually over the course of some time based on what we do. So it says Esau became a hunter. And then the scripture says, while Jacob was a quiet, peaceful man. Uh, some translations say quiet, some translations say peaceful. But what I want you to understand here is, is there's no verb present. It, it says this, uh, while Jacob, a quiet man, while Jacob, a peaceful man. Uh, this word quiet or peaceful, I think, it can better be translated uh, complete. And so what we see in this is that as God looks at Jacob, he sees Jacob as complete and ready to enter into the purpose that God has for his life. He didn't need to become anything else other than what God had already created him to be. And when he was a quiet man, he was a peaceful man. He was, he was complete. He was ready in God's eyes to fulfill his role in the great drama of God. But Jacob didn't see what God saw. The only thing Jacob saw was what he was not. The only thing Jacob saw was what he longed for more than anything else, the love of his father, which belonged to his brother and not to him. So Jacob, the complete one, disassembles himself to become what he is not, someone else. 
My friends, these boys were different. Then that's exactly how it was supposed to be. They were created to be different. The, this story, the rest of this story, is about one son who tries desperately to become the other son to take what he thinks belongs to the other son so that he can have what he didn't think belonged to himself. Doesn't that just sound messed up as I even try to say the, the sentence? And the result was disastrous for the entire family. So what's absent in this story isn't just in this verse, Genesis 25, 27, it isn't just the verb what's absent and what's the tragic is Jacob's recognition of his true identity. And this leads us to the first question of the day, who am I? Maybe I could ask it a different way. Are you who you are? Or are you trying to become and be someone else? Look at the links at which Jacob goes to to be someone else. Yes, he had help from his mother. And by the way, on this Mother's Day, we are so thankfully thankful for godly mothers who love us, who pray for us, who desire us to become everything that God created us to be and who don't go about it in deceitful and scheming ways, but who are on their knees interceding for us. And moms, thank you for your faithfulness to love us and care for us. But in this case, Jacob had the, the help of his mother to become deceitful, and he even put uh, goat hair on his arms and on his neck, so he tried to become someone else. He tried to, he, he stole the, the birthright, he stole the blessing, because he desperately wanted to be someone else. And so the question becomes, who am I? Am I being who I was created to be, or am I desperately trying to become someone else? My friends, you have an enemy. And God, through through Jesus tells us, John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, uh, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I believe with all my heart that first thing the enemy wants to do, he wants to kill uh, your eternity. He, he wants to rob you of your opportunity to be with Jesus forever. And Jesus is going to go on in that passage of Scripture saying, He can't do that. Once you give your life to me, He can't do it. He says, Jesus, I hold you in my hand and no one can take you out of it. And if that's not enough, He says, the Father holds my hand and no one can pry the Father's hand open. My friend, once you have this uh, through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross that He rose from the dead, um, you have eternal life and the enemy cannot steal that away from you. But the first thing he wants to do is he wants to steal you of your eternity. Once he can't do that anymore, the next thing he's going to do is he wants to kill your identity. If he can keep you from being uh, seeing yourself the way God sees you, if you think you have to become somebody else, do something more, uh, be something better than how God's created you to be, if he robs you of your, if he, if he kills your identity, then he wins. Once he gets to the point where he can no longer steal your eternity or kill your identity, uh, steal, kill, destroy, he wants to destroy your ministry. He wants to destroy whatever opportunities you have to be part of the blessing that God wants to give you so that you can pass it on to others. And so here, the first question is, uh, who am I? If you're really wrestling with that, I'd encourage you at some point to, to try to take a look and find this book. Several years ago at Miami Valley, I gave this book away to everyone who was in attendance, everyone who considered themselves part of Miami Valley. It's just uh, called uh, Let Your Life Speak. It's kind of mean to understand who we are and our identity. It's such a great book. There's so many good books out there, but that's the first question. Who am I? And bottom line, do you see yourself the way God sees you? My friends, he sees you this way. His child that he created in his image and through Jesus Christ complete just the way you are. Yes, we need to strive to keep becoming more like Jesus, but we don't need to worry about becoming like anybody else because he's created us just the way he wanted to. My friend, he did not make a mistake when he created you. Question number one, who am I? We follow this story back to Genesis chapter 28. 
And we see now that Jacob is on the run. And so the second question of the day is not just who am I, but but where am I? Genesis 28 verses 10 and 11 say this, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Where am I? A few weeks ago, when we preached through part of this passage, I, I told you that I believe that this certain place, it's a unique phrase, and I believe that this is the exact place where uh, Jacob's dad Isaac was offered on the altar by his father Abraham, the place where Isaac thought there was no way God could possibly be there. But it's a certain place, and I think this also understands and carries with it the idea. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen that sermon, like any of our sermons, you can go back to YouTube and find all of our sermons there. Just look for Miami Valley Church, and you can find it on our YouTube channel. So I encourage you to do that. And if you ever want to watch them again, you can go there as well. But this question, uh, where am I, this certain place, it also can mean a desolate, dark, dangerous place. And should we really be shocked that Jacob finds himself in a desolate, dark, and dangerous place? He's been relationally reckless. He's been manipulated. He's manipulated other people. He's deceived and been deceived. Uh, he's tried to do whatever it has to be somebody else. And when you try to become somebody else and do something somebody else was meant to do, uh, you just find yourself in a desperate, dark, and dangerous place. And so I just want to ask you today, where are you? Don't be surprised if through the course of life, even after you've decided to follow Jesus from time to time, you find yourself in a, a dark, desolate, dangerous place. Maybe today there's someone watching, a lady maybe in her 30s. You've never found healthy ways to communicate your disappointments and you internalize all of these things and you're becoming more and more bitter every single day and you're in a very dark place emotionally. Maybe there's a teenager out there that you refuse to listen to anybody. You won't listen to mom and dad and what they've told you to do about the car. You don't think they know enough about cars or maybe, you know, the best auto mechanic, but still dad doesn't know enough about the car. So you won't listen and do the things mom and dad said to do about the cars and some night your car breaks down and you find yourself on a, on a dark road and it's dangerous. Or, or maybe there's a man somewhere listening in your, I don't know, in your 40s or your 50s, and the only way you've ever formed relationships in your life is based on what you can get out of them. You've been selfish. You've been deceitful. And it's only about what other people can give you, whether it's with uh, ladies who can give you what you think is love, or whether it's with friends who can give you tickets to ball games, or maybe uh, a promotion or a, a, a foot up in the situation that you're in, but you won't invest and you don't invest yourself personally. And, and you get to this point now and you just find yourself in this desolate place. You're all alone. You find yourself today in a desolate, dark and dangerous place. But I think we need to pause for a moment and say, there are so many that through the course of this pandemic have found themselves in a desolate, dark and dangerous place. And my heart is breaking for teenagers and young adults, college-age students who are really struggling with this. My friends, the National College Health Assessment came out recently, and they reported on the, the mental health on college campuses. Just listen to this. 63% of college students are feeling overwhelmingly or overwhelming anxiety. 42% feel so depressed that they say it's difficult for them to function. 62% say they are very lonely. And 12% acknowledge that they're seriously contemplating suicide. A new Harvard study, a uh, research study, suggests that feelings of isolation and, and depression are on the rise and that those who are the hardest hit are older teens and young adults. And then just less than a year ago, last June, the CDC reported, listen to this, 63% of young people are experiencing substantial symptoms of anxiety and depression. My friend, I have no doubt my young teenage friend, my older teenage friend, my college age friend, 
If you're in a group with 10 friends your age, six out of the 10 are experiencing substantial anxiety and depression, and that might be you. And you might find yourself today in a desolate, dark, and dangerous place. And I do not want you to give up hope because this story, my friends, is filled with hope. Question number one, who am I? Stop trying to become someone you weren't created to be. Question number two, where am I? Just be honest about where you're at. And we're gonna see why that's so important. But Jacob has been relationally reckless. And so you wanna know, hey Jacob, what's gonna be your next step? If you're feeling in a dangerous, dark, desolate place, what are you doing? Jacob does what so many of us do, he just goes to sleep. And while he's asleep, he has this amazing dream and he sees three things. Genesis 28, 12 says this, and he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And so the first thing he sees is just this ladder. Some of your some of your translations say a, a stairway and I know what some of you who are older are already thinking, you're thinking stairway to heaven and I just want you to get that out of your head right now. So, uh, but, you, but this ladder, but I don't want you to think of ladder, I don't want you to think of staircase, I want you to think of an ancient ziggurat that is kind of like a pyramid but it has stairs going up it and so I think that's what he sees and so he sees this this ladder this staircase but the second thing he sees he sees the angels of God going up it and down and it's interesting that he says the angels of God uh, in the ancient world at this time people believed, the various religions believed that there were territorial gods and that each god had a territory of its own and each god uh ruled over that territory, but that's not what Jacob sees. Jacob uh, is tied into the God of creation, the God of the universe who rules and reigns over everything. And it's his angels who are ascending and descending and that God himself, the creator of the universe and the creator of Jacob himself is in charge of this place, this desolate, this dark, this dangerous place. And then he sees a third thing, verse 13, it says this, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. He didn't just see angels he saw God himself above everything else and my friend when you are in a desolate dark dangerous place God wants to give you a vision of himself seated on the throne my friends please know this the cross and the tomb are empty but the throne is not God is seated on his throne and he is in charge even of your dark desolate and dangerous place he is there and he is not just watching over you, he is walking before you, he is beside you, and he will become come behind you. And so, question one, who am I? Question two, where am I? Question number three, where is God? And Jacob's on the run, and he thinks God is nowhere in this place. He's actually even gonna say that, uh, I didn't even know God was in here, how awesome is this place? But I want you to see this, he didn't just see God, he, he heard God speaking. He said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Notice this, in the dark, dangerous, desolate place, God ties him back to the promise. God wants him to have hope. He's got a purpose for Jacob. There's a promise that applies to him. Verse 14, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And if you're, uh, if you have your Bible open, would you read out loud? Yes, out loud, whether you're alone or whether you're in a house church. By the way, if you're alone, you shouldn't be going through these, these weekend gatherings alone. We've, we've never encouraged you to, to give away from in-person uh, worship, but in-person does not mean in-building. It means in our homes now. And so you should be with other people but I'd encourage you to read out loud the last half of verse 14. It says this, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God ties Jacob in this desperate, dark, desolate place back to his promise 
I have a plan for you. Does it sound vaguely familiar? We've said it from the start when Pastor Woolridge introduced this to us many, many weeks ago. He said, this is going to be about blessing. We need to understand blessing, blessing, blessing. And so here's the blessing. God said to Abraham, I choose you and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And the blessing passed from Abraham to Isaac and now from Isaac to Jacob. Even in the desperate, dark, desolate places, friends, do not forget this. God wants his people to embrace his mission. He does not want us to forget why he's placed us on planet Earth. We've been blessed to be a blessing, and that's not just cliche. God has blessed you. We have been praying for over a year now as Miami Valley Church. God, how would you have us love and share Jesus with this valley? And even if you find yourself a college student, a teenager, an adult, a senior adult, and you find yourself in a desolate, dark, dangerous place, God still wants you to embrace his mission. He wants you to share and show the love of Jesus, starting in your home, in your neighborhood, in your plat, in your city, in this valley. So I want to ask you specifically right now, are you embracing the mission of God? I read this week in one of the things, one of the commentaries in preparation, it said this, every Christian is either a missionary or a fraud. And man, did that hit me hard. So many times we want to identify ourselves as disciples. We want to identify ourselves as Christians. But my friends, I want you to tie into the story of Scripture. Jesus on one occasion said to the disciples, of the Father sent me, so send I you. Our God is a sending God. Our God is a God who wants us to engage with his mission of loving him, of loving people, of going to the ends of the earth as his witnesses, as his missionaries. My friend, are you embracing the mission of God even in the desperate, desolate, dark place, dangerous place? God shows up in that place and says, I want you to be about my business. Then look at chapter 28, verse 15. He says this, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. There it is. He ties him into the promise. My friend, it's the same promise of the Lord our God when he says, even in the desolate, dark, uh, dangerous places, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and I am going to use you. You've been created in his image uh, to do good work, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. He wants to tie you back to that mission. And my friends, that's exactly what God has done for us. We all have found ourselves spiritually in a desperate, dark, desolate place. It's called being a sinner. And God's word says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. He showed up in our desolate, dark, dangerous, sinning kind of place, and he said, I came for you. Put your faith and trust in Jesus and join him in his mission. Follow him wherever he leads. Galatians 3.29 says this, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. My friends, it is so hard when we are trying to become someone God hasn't created us to be. When we don't like the place where we are, that's dangerous, desolate, dark place, it's hard to see that God is there, that God is present, but he invites us to be on his mission. Jacob wakes up from this dream, having been brought back to the fact that God is with him, that God is bringing him back into the mission. It says this, verses 16 and 17 of chapter 28, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I need you to grab a hold of this because I think this is so foundational to overcoming the sense of who am I, where am I, where is God? Jacob says, this is none other than the house of God. The Hebrew house, it's Beit, and so it, it it's, we see it B-E-T-H, so uh, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread. Uh, we see it uh, Bethel, 
what Jacob names this place, the, the house of God. It, it can mean house as in temple, but check this out. It also means family, lineage, or household. We understand that. We, we know that. Even if you don't know, you know that. You know that because you know the Christmas story, right? That uh, Joseph and Mary had to leave where they were, Nazareth, and travel to travel uh, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. He was of the house of David. What Jacob is saying here is this. In my desolate, dark, dangerous place, God reminds me I am part of the family of God. And my friends, that is your identity. You are his child. And that is not cliche. That is not anything other than a foundational truth that you need to grab a hold of and rest in the confidence that God says to you, even in that desperate, dark, dangerous, desolate place, you are his child. And he wants you to know that. And as his child, you're an heir to the promise and you're an heir to the things that he has in store for you. There is hope on the other side of this desperate place. Don't quit. Don't give up. My friends, if you find yourself today in that desolate kind of place, in that dangerous kind of place, in that dark kind of place, the question is not, what should be happening in my life? Wouldn't that be the question you think Jacob would ask? What should be happening? I'm the heir of the promise, and now I'm on the run for my life. I'm the guy who likes to live in tents and just be peaceful and quiet, and now I'm on the, the guy that's out in the wilderness. Isn't that kind of ironic? The question is not, what should be happening in my life? The question is, what is happening in my life? Because when we look for God here, now, that's what we should do because the place we are in in our lives is the place where we find God today. He is there. He is in control. He is in charge. His angels are there to minister to you, to care for you, to support you, to move you on on your journey. But then Jacob does something strange. He grabs his bag and he pours oil over the rock that had been his pillow. Verse 18, so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil, poured oil on top of it. My friends, that's just not very smart. He's got about three and a half weeks left in his journey. How's he going to get there? Oil is the currency of the day. If he wants to cook food, he needs oil. If he wants to barter and trade for food, he doesn't use cash, he uses oil. If he's weary and, and weathered from the sun of the day, he rubs oil all over his arms. And I want to say to him, Jacob, what in the world were you thinking? He grabs and pours this oil. Listen to his words in verses 20 and 21. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, he will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I I will give a full tenth to you. You know what Jacob's saying there is he pours the oil over the rock. He's like, I'm going to live the rest of my life. I will trust the Lord and do good. I'll trust the Lord and do good. Look at that. I will give him, uh, he, he's going to have to give me clothes to wear. He's going to have to give me food to eat. I can't provide them for myself. I know everything comes from his hand and I will give him a full tenth. And so the last question very simply is this, how will I respond? Who am I? I'm God's child. Where am I? doesn't matter if you're in a desolate, dark, dangerous place. Where is God? He's right there with you. And the question is, how will you respond? Some of you today need to respond for the very first time and say with Jacob for the very first time, he is my God. He's not my dad's God. He's not my mom's God. He's not my children's God. He's my God. And you put your faith and trust in Jesus. The scriptures say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. My friend, you need that personal relationship with God. You need to make him your God today. That's why he came. While you were still a sinner, he died for you. Some of you 
simply need to say my response simply needs to be I need to stop trying to figure this out on my own I need to be comfortable in my own skin I'm his child I'm part of his family I have that lineage I have that heritage and he's invited me to be part of his uh, blessing to other people I just need to become comfortable in my identity some of you need to say I am where I am but God doesn't want me to stay there. You know this, that God loves us so much to meet us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. And so he's gonna help you follow this journey. And some of you just need to simply say, okay, I'm gonna to start to do good. I'm gonna trust the Lord to do good. If I'm gonna get out of this place, God's gotta do it. And I've gotta follow with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So friends, four questions of the day that I really want you to wrestle with. Who am I? Where are you? Where is God and how will you respond? Father, thank you that through this story, we see your truth. You have created us to be complete in Christ Jesus. We are your children created in your image. Father, some of us find ourselves in a desperate, dark, desolate place today and we don't wanna stay there. God, give us a glimpse of you let us hear your words that you still have a plan and a purpose for our life. God, let us follow hard after you. Father, let us respond appropriately. May we trust you and do good all the days of our life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hey, Pastor started out our time this morning saying that his hope and his prayer would be that we would go back and re-listen to this message. And so my challenge to you is one day this week, would you go back and just listen to this message? Not even have to watch it, just listen to it. Whether that's going to our YouTube page or our podcast, choose the time to go back and just listen to this message. It is our pastor's prayer and hope that we would do that. He started by asking us three questions and it's not questions that we are to just answer once, but that we are to continually ask ourselves as we go through this thing called life. The first question is this, what is your current desire for God? The second question is this, what is God's desire for you? And the third, what are the hindrances that are in the way? Would you be honest? Would you be open about that this morning? The church is meeting in your home right now. Let's engage together in God's word and let's ask these questions as we start the conversation right now. What is your desire? What is God's desire? And what are the hindrances that are in the way? But don't let this message stop right here with you today. Would you share it with someone as we make Jesus known?